0: Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales.
1: Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me as always is Vincent M. Wales. Before we get started, we want to remind you of our new Facebook group over at psychcentral.com slash FBShow, all lowercase. Just click to join, become a member, we'll approve you, discuss your favorite show, and interact with the hosts. We have a very cool show. We want to talk about retail therapy. Now, Black Friday's coming up, the the Christmas season is upon us, shopping malls will be overflowing, and many of us do it because we, we love the people around us, but that's not always the case, and just because it's Christmas doesn't mean that we haven't gone too far. Then... Do you ever shop for reasons other than you need things? Better question is, do I ever shop when I do need
2: things? I'll I'll go to the store for something I need and walk out without it, but with
1: bags full of other things. My mother always has a joke that no matter how much you intend to spend at Walmart, it's always 50 bucks. You can go in for a gallon of milk and spend $50. Her other joke is she went to McDonald's in Las Vegas and a Big Mac was six hundred dollars. And I think it's the same general principle. I think we buy things to make ourselves feel better. We do. You, there's no question about that. Yeah. I, I think you're right. This is why they put the candy in the checkout lane. Well, that and because of eating disorders, which we'll get to in another show. <laughs> no, I think it's true. I mean, you know, we have well, you and I both like to eat,
2: as as do many, many people. But you and I also eat out of, you know, a psychological reason. We need to make ourselves feel better. And we turn to food, comfort food, we call it.
1: Yeah, well, there's absolutely.
2: Comfort buys,
1: comfort purchases as well. And comfort purchases comes in all shapes and sizes. For example, a comfort purchase could be, I'm worth it. I deserve it. So you buy yourself a new outfit, but mm-hmm. it can also come in, Ooh, I got a great deal. So we, we are being a little bit manipulated by the retail market. There's, there's a reason that when people, society has more free time, like over a holidays, sales increase. Yep, that is true. But you know, don't sell short when you're
2: stressed out, when you're depressed, those are, those are times when you engage in
1: retail therapy too. Speaking for me personally, when I'm depressed, stressed, or, or even angry or otherwise emotional, eating provides a quick fix. See, whatever is making me stressed is is generally part of a larger problem. Either an important discussion has to be had with a loved one, there's something going on at work, uh, maybe something is uncomfortable in my professional or personal life. But if I eat ice cream, I feel better while I'm eating ice cream. Right, it improves your mood. Yeah, and ice cream is easy to get. There's no challenge in it. I run through the DQ. They give me my favorite Blizzard. They hold it upside down. I'm in front of the TV, fat and happy. Retail therapy is an extension of that. It really is the identical premise. Nobody's going to stop us from spending money. Even if they should. Even if they should. But now here's the question. We all understand why eating our feelings, as it's often referred to, eating our feelings, obviously if, if I don't handle my business. Just going to go with that. If I don't handle my business and every time I have a problem, I eat ice cream, two things are going to occur. One, diabetes. (laughs) No way around that. And two, because I'm not solving the problem, the problem's going to get worse. Right. You know, I could end up losing that relationship, losing my job. It just, you can't eat ice cream to solve our problems. So then the question becomes... Why is retail therapy bad? Obviously, there's there's the main problem that you know if you don't handle your business, there will be problems, but there's no diabetes. So isn't it the better option? Well, yeah, if you're going to compare the two, I mean, it,
2: it, all, it all depends. You could be like my dad and eat like a horse and never gain a pound. You could also be very, very well off. And so your retail therapy isn't really going to impact your bottom line at the end of the month either. Most of us aren't either of those two things. So all depends on how how we are but yes it's it's going to be bad whether it's comfort eating comfort food or comfort purchasing you can't let it get out of control make yourself feel better sure but remember that you got to do that in small doses you know you don't want diabetes you don't want incredible debt on your cards either
1: so just do it in moderation just like anything else really i'm not surprised we ended up at all things in moderation because that's really just the key to life as it is but what is the difference between dangerous retail therapy and uh, okay retail therapy? I mean, we, we should be allowed to spend money to make ourselves feel better. Isn't that the purpose of money? Are we just telling people that buy nice things for themselves? Are we, are we turning that into an issue that it's not? I, I mean, are we ringing a bell that doesn't need to be rung? Are we making up an illness? Is retail therapy even a thing, Vin? Are, are we just making this up?
2: Well, you know, it is kind of a, a tongue in cheek expression you know, oh, I'm engaging in retail therapy. I feel very much better afterward. You know, we know it's not a legitimate therapy, but it does have some genuinely therapeutic benefits. Well, let, let's look at a situation of where, uh, where we would be kind of stressed out and in need of retail therapy. When I, uh, when I got divorced some years ago, I had to move from a house back into an apartment for the first time in a while. And I tell you what, that was a pretty stressful transition going from space for everything to almost space for some things. So I needed a lot of things, obviously, because a lot of it got left behind with with the, the X. So naturally, I went shopping a lot, had to buy this, had to buy that, got to stock the kitchen again, yada, yada, yada. But it also gave me an excuse, as you mentioned earlier, an excuse to buy things just for the sake of buying them to make me feel better, and yeah, I needed to feel better at that point so i said well let's let's buy this because that'll look nice on my wall it i don't need it, but it made me feel better
1: and because you had the money and because you you made time for this, you made a place for this, you had a place for that art, and because you had a cohesive plan, even though this sort of meets the definition of retail therapy. I'm, I'm making the air quotes audience. This would be an example of, of, of retail therapy in a good way. I think so. Wouldn't you agree? This yeah. made, you, your life needed a boost and you made the best of a bad situation mm-hmm. by redecorating your place and starting your life over. Another example would be buying a new outfit for a big job interview. You have your old suit. Your old suit is perfectly fine. Your new suit will just give you a burst of confidence. And I'm one of those people. Listen, I, if I have a big job interview, I'm buying a tailored suit tomorrow. I know. It does make me feel more confident. Mm-hmm. I like it. Where we're sitting right now, retail therapy sounds like a good thing. Let's do it. Improve your life. Buy a nice picture. <laughs> you have given us no reason to panic. But, but there, there is reason to panic, especially in my case. Now, I, I, have, I have a double problem. Retail therapy and bipolar mania. Mm -hmm. hyper spending is a serious issue because overspending and buying things makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And when you're manic, there's no upper limit. I can never feel good enough. And I like to buy things for other people when I'm manic, because then not only do I get the, the charge of the purchase, but I get to feel like a big shot. Now I'm awesome. And people are very thankful when you buy them things. But then, of course, there's another problem. I'm not rich. <laughs> I'm putting all this on a credit card. So everything's fine for about, I don't know, 30 days or so until the credit card bill comes. And then overspending is a big, big problem. Right. I've had huge bills. My, my largest bar tab ever was $2,500. I have no idea why it's an even number. I suspect there was a large tip and plus with OCD, I like even numbers, but $2,500, one night, regular bar, Columbus, Ohio. That's impressive. It is impressive and it, thankfully it's it's paid off now, but what did that do for me that night? And that's what's sad. I don't even remember most of it, but it, it does meet the technical definition, I suppose, of retail therapy because... It, I wanted to feel better and I wanted people to like me and I wanted to be a big shot. And if I kept buying people things, myself included, I felt better. But it didn't work though. I-, I want everybody to know that, yeah, it made me feel great on that date. It made me feel really, really bad when I realized that I had done it. And for the two years it took me to pay it off. Right. So it was like the gift that keeps on giving. We're going to step away to hear from our sponsor for a moment. When we get back, researchers at Melbourne University have actually classified this, given it a name, and explained how it works from a psychological standpoint. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com.
1: Hey, fans of the Psych Central Show podcast. We are currently surveying our listeners to learn more about you and to learn what we can do better. Please take a few minutes and visit our website at psychcentral.com show and click on listener survey link found on that page. Thank you.
2: Welcome back, everyone. We are here talking about retail therapy and its ugly cousin, compulsive shopping disorder. That would be what those folks at Melbourne University that Gabe mentioned earlier. That's what they've decided to call it as the name implies, compulsion. I need to shop. This isn't to make me feel better per se, although it could be to, you know, assuage those feelings of the need to do it. Just like OCD. I need to
1: wash my hands 14 times in the next 20 minutes. But of course, the nice folks at Melbourne University gave us a nice uh, medically sounding name, Oniomania. Oniomania? Oniomania. Because you owe Neomania audience, if you're hearing this, it means that something went terribly wrong in the editing process. <laughs> but please enjoy I-, I thought you would definitely go with the the o oh joke there, um, but remember, some people have the money to spend all scary sounding words and huge bills and and all the reasons that we probably shouldn't shop aside. The research is decidedly mixed on this though a, a lot of researchers believe that a little bit of this really goes a long way and it's it's actually quite a therapeutic thing to do uh-huh. especially especially if you have the means there there's even a saying when the going gets tough the tough go shopping i think everybody listening really understands that if you buy things that you can't afford you're going to get in trouble down the road it doesn't really matter if you need the item or not it's just kind of an extra kick in the gut if you don't need the item and you're paying it off but let me speak from a little bit of experience for a moment. And this is an area where me and you have disagreed, Mr. Vincent. I recently bought a Rolex watch and I am very proud of that watch and I, I, I paid for it. I didn't I didn't take out a loan and I, I didn't have to do anything unseemly for it. When I was younger, I wanted one because it was just so beautiful and nobody I knew owned one and it was presented to me as an achievement. You, you had to be doing something right in order to get it. You had to make a plan. You had to be successful. You had to get there. And when I was really, really sick, and I mean really sick, I was in a day program. I had to make a list of things that I hoped to someday accomplish. And, you know, I, I put things on there like, you know, work a full-time job. And a, a lot, you know, it, Strangely, I think I might have actually said be med compliant too, which should make everybody roll their eyes. And the the therapist came over and said, what, what's dude? (laughs) She said, dude, Um, except like in (laughs) professional parlance. She said, this is so sad. I mean, you've basically said that you want to get a job, pay your bills. There's nothing exciting on here. You didn't put a vacation on here. You didn't, you didn't put a luxury item. You didn't, nothing. There's just, you, you, you just want to do the bare minimum and die? Come on, you, just reach for the stars. And I added some stuff. You know, I, I added go on vacation. I hadn't been on a vacation in a long time. I was really, really sick. And then I went pie in the sky. I put a Rolex on there because I knew that I would never buy a Rolex because they're just way too expensive. I'm not going to go into debt to buy a luxury item. I'm not going to buy it if it means I can't do something else you know, like buy a house or take care of my family. Right. So I knew that if I ever got to the place where I could afford it, it, it really meant that things were going really, really well. And I got there. I, it took another 15 years, but I never thought I'd get there. And now I wear the watch that you call ostentatious <laughs> and overpriced and ridiculously expensive. And yeah, those things are not untrue, but it's also perfect. I mean, it's beautiful craftsmanship, it's it's luxury, but more than anything to me, it represents something that I never thought I could do. And that makes it priceless, but I had to earn it. And and that's why it's okay. Had I gotten out of the hospital a week later, charged up all my credit cards to get this watch and lived in a a homeless shelter with a $10,000 watch, it wouldn't have represented the same things. So I I think that's the push and pull of this whole retail therapy thing. Is the purchase that you're making in your best interest to provide the maximum amount of goodness that you desire, or is the purchase going to hurt you in the long run? That's a good way to look at it.
2: Definitely. I have a particular purchase and you mentioned, you know, the Rolex being this outrageously expensive thing. Well, I have some purchases that I do that some of my friends, look at me funny when they hear how much money I spent on these. And I'm talking now about vintage Hot Wheels cars.
1: I am one of those friends. I I just want to, before he starts the story, it's wrong. It's just wrong that you do this.
2: (laughs) Right. So as a kid, I played with Hot Wheels cars, got a great deal of enjoyment out of them. I loved them. Of course, you know, the older I got, the more banged up they got. And then finally they just disappeared. And, you know, thanks to the miracle that is eBay, I can now obtain these cars for a higher price than the 99 cents that I think I bought them for when I was five. But it's, it's very cool to have these things again. Now, what, what practical benefit is there? Well, there isn't. You know, it's, it's just all nostalgia. And yes, I have paid in excess of $200 for one little Hot Wheels car, which I have to point out is peanuts compared to some of the prices I've seen for them on there. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not all that well off financially. So $200 to me is, is nothing to sneeze at. So should I be buying them? Eh, I don't know. It depends on your perspective. You know, I I could be doing better things with that money, certainly, but they make me happy.
1: And Vin, you paid your rent first. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You fed your cats first. You paid your health insurance premium first. You, you, you aren't shirking your responsibilities in order to buy an expensive Hot Wheels car. Absolutely not. That's right. And nostalgia is, is it's a well-represented phenomenon in our culture. First, we pay retail for something. Then something becomes worthless. Then 20 years later, it becomes really expensive when all the people that remember it when they were 20 now have money to burn when they're 40 and want to relive their childhoods.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. How many of us have not thought back and said, dang, I wish I still had X, Y, or Z that I played with as a kid because I could sell it now and retire. That would be a nice thing. Speaking of cars, by the way, you know, I drive a PT Cruiser. You know, I bought it pretty early on. I wasn't one of the first people to buy them, but I got like the second year's model. And back then, you know, it was the thing. PT Cruiser buyers would wave to each other as they passed on the road, right? It was this social connection kind of thing. So even though, yes, buying a car was a necessity, buying that particular one wasn't, but I wanted to. I don't know. I liked how they looked. But again, you know, there's, there, there are groups that get together on PT Cruiser clubs or Corvette clubs or you name it. There was a town near where I lived in Pennsylvania for a while. I drove through it one time and I saw Carmen Guias, Volkswagen Carmen Guias, everywhere. It was like they were in infestation, like cockroaches. It I've never like, heard of this car. What is it? Really? The Volkswagen Carmen Ghia? Never. Yeah. Okay, you gotta look at it. Well, imagine a Volkswagen Beetle, but if somebody stepped on it and squished it a little flat. <laughs> <laughs> It's I've awesome. heard of the rabbit. Is it like a rabbit? No, 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 no. It's, it's long before the rabbit and much the rabbit was the rabbit was an ugly car. Not as bad as the, the thing, but you no, know,
1: the Carmen gear was very cool. One of the things that you're touching on is also the the fringe benefit of retail therapy in some purchases. For example, if we go back to my Rolex, I spent 15 years looking at these things, uh, researching them, learning about their history. They've been around for well over a century. And the way that they created these timepieces, you know, back in the day, like literally before my grandparents were around, was incredible. And now that I have one, there's kind of a little bit of a letdown. Because I already have it, so now, hey, now it's it, it's on my watch. I did it, but but yours is the opposite. You purchased the PT Cruiser, and now you have this community, all of these people that are waving at each other. So the the purchase happened, and then you extended joy from it over a period of many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it happens in reverse. You save up for a long, long time, and then when you do it, it's almost anticlimactic. But this really speaks to people. It's, it speaks to a lot of people. It's the, it's the adjacent benefit of retail
2: therapy. Now, one of the things that you just said brought something else to mind. You mentioned, you know, researching it and, and looking at them online and everything, which brings us to window shopping. Oh yeah, it was, it was absolutely window shopping. Right. Is there, is there a
1: therapeutic benefit to window shopping? Do you think? I I do think that there is, because I I mean, again, it it depends on what you're window shopping for and where your mood, again, all things in moderation. If I start window shopping for $8.5 million mansions, there there might not be a benefit in that because it's just unlikely that at 40 years old, I'm going to buy an $8.5 million mansion. That's true. That's true. But isn't it nice to fantasize sometimes? I think so, as long as I understand it's a fantasy. Mm -hmm. If I will be unhappy if I don't achieve that dream, and or I start doing things to achieve that dream that are against my moral fiber, uh, robbing banks, for example, um, or I'm just depressed because my life stinks because I'm not in the $8.5 million house, then I think that it could be detrimental. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of benefit in fantasy, but you have to be careful. Because this is the same logic that makes people buy lottery tickets. If you buy one lottery ticket and fantasize about winning the jackpot, that's amazing. That's a good use of a dollar. But if you buy $1,000 a week worth of lottery tickets and fantasize about winning, you've gone too far. This is another example of where you've got to moderate your fantasy. (laughs) Right, right. So I suppose the one thing
2: that I, I think that we should all keep in mind as we enter yet another holiday shopping season is that it is definitely a a mixed bag. There are purchases that I have made that if I could go back in time and not make them, I absolutely would because they were not smart and they did not put me in a very good financial situation. On the other hand, there are purchases that I have made that I continue to make today that while not necessary do give me a certain amount of joy.
1: And with age comes a certain amount of wisdom. And you have a lot of wisdom. I see what you did there. But you know, those age jokes are really getting old. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Remember, you can get one week of convenient, affordable, private online counseling absolutely free anytime, anywhere by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Psych Central. Happy holidays, everyone, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to The Psych Central Show. Please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com show. Psychcentral.com is the internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohol, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker